So I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, to sign up for the Rooted study. We're doing this as a church family. We're going to be launching into it with a big launch the end of this month and then meeting in homes and also here on campus uh, pretty much every day of the week. Um, so there's lots of opportunities for you. Uh, we're going to be doing, kicking that off the end of this month and then meeting in homes or on campus, I think, the second week of February. And church family, here's the jam. I believe that this is so critical for us as a church as we gear up for what God has for us in 2020. And I'm going to ask that everyone would prayerfully consider participating. There may be some of you who have been following Jesus for a while, and you might think, man, I don't need a study like that. I've kind of got, you know, the basics covered. And I just want to encourage you. I know most of you. And no, uh, not sure about that. No, just, I, 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 I'm not joking. Uh, no, uh, here's the deal. So Jesus calls us to more than just head knowledge. Uh, to put it another way, uh, Satan can pass a theology exam. Following Jesus is much more than just learning a thing. It's all about doing the things that we've learned. And one of the things that Rooted helps us do is connect to God, also connect to each other, and connect to our purpose. And there are practices through the Rooted series that I, want, I don't want you to miss out on uh, the cool things that God's going to do through that. And so even if you've done a study similar to this one before, I know you haven't done a study like Rooted um, in this exact way because there's practices that we're going to be able to do. And uh, I would encourage you, if you're used to gathering with a group, maybe invite some other people in uh, to that group as well because uh, it really does come alive when you're uh, doing the Rooted study with people who are different than you. Oh, man, it's so cool. So uh, next steps, uh, if you'd like to know more about joining Rooted, out in the lobby there is a display, there's a card, that you can grab. You can also sign up uh, at uh, dsbc.church rooted. You can use the Next Steps card and drop them in the metal boxes on your way out today. You can visit Direct and Connect, or uh, if you'd like, you can uh, send up a signal flare uh, in the general vicinity of our campus. We'll come to you, help you sign up. Uh, please don't do that. That's, that's ridiculous. So sign up however you want. Join us for Rooted. If you're in a group that's doing Rooted, uh, please talk to your group leader about how you can sign up and make sure you're all squared away uh, so we can launch together at the end of this month. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray for us, and then we are going to hit a uh, big question uh, in a big way today. So let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. We want to be rooted in who you are and what you call us to do. And so as we think about the mission that you've placed us on, we ask, Lord, that you would give to us wisdom, increase our love for you, deepen our love for one another. We want to be unified in who you are, not our common affinities. Jesus, we know that you love us, we know that you're powerful to bring these things about, and so we entrust ourselves to you. And that's why we pray in your name also, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, the new year, happy new year, everybody. The new year uh, gives to many of us an opportunity to think about the mission that we're living. Now, we might not say, what's my mission? But we might say, what's my purpose? Or how do I want to choose to use this year? Some of us will write mission statements. We're those types of folks. Others of us are the type of folks that go to Hobby Lobby and spend $2,000 on hodgepodge and cardboard. And then we buy the magazines and clip all the little things and we make a vision board for the year. Others of us sit down with a calendar. Some of you are looking at each other right now in judgment. Don't. Um, some of us uh, write out a calendar and we talk about, but we think about how we're going to budget our year, regardless of your lane and how you choose to do it. Uh, some of us are just more like, you know, we're just going to kind of wing it, but we've already begun to think about how do I want to spend 2020. Every one of us is either intentionally or unintentionally living on a mission. Every one of us is either intentionally or unintentionally living on a mission. So my question for you today is this, where 
is your mission rooted? Where is your mission rooted? Because where your mission is rooted will dictate not only uh, the actions that you uh, engage in, the way that you think, but also was this a win, was this a loss? It's going to shape your, uh, in a big regard, your emotional state, shape your satisfaction. Where your mission is rooted has impacts to every aspect of your life. And what I want to do today, cards on the table, regardless of where you're at, in your relationship with Jesus. Some of you have been following Jesus for years. Others of you, this is your first time here. I'm so glad you're here. You got dragged here. Me too. I know how that goes. Um, Just this morning, they were like, you have to preach today. You can't leave. Um, Regardless of where you're at, in your process of trying to figure out who Jesus is, or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, I want to encourage you, and actually I want to convince you, to root your mission in Jesus. I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you that you would make the intentional decision to live a mission rooted in Jesus. My, I'm going to make my argument. I'm going to make it. Actually, I'm just going to show you what Jesus says. We'll talk about it, and then we'll see what we do. So Jesus, uh, big deal, by the way, Jesus is a big deal. Uh, Jesus is said that he's God in the flesh, said that he's the answer to the issue that we have, namely that in the beginning God created us, but we turned our backs on God and said, we're going to be gods ourselves. Every single one of us have made the decision at one point in time or the other to turn our backs on God and each of us go our own way. And just like in every other relationship, when we choose to do that, we give them the finger, we turn and we go this way, when we make that choice, what happens to the relationship? It breaks. When we do that with God, it's the same thing because God's an actual person. When we turn our backs on God and we go our own way, it breaks the relationship. And of course, God being righteous and just, and of course, all-knowing and also all-loving and all-gracious, had some options. Option number one is what I like to call the Metallica option. The Metallica option is when my creation is in rebellion against me, I just kill them all. (laughs) It's a great album, by the way. In church, when the minister says something that's agreeable, we say amen. So, Metallica fans out there, this is the one time in your life you can say amen and feel good about it, right? So, kill them all. Option number two, and thank God this is the option that he chose. He could figure out a way to redeem and restore, not by killing all of his creation, but by changing their hearts. You see, the thing that draws us away from God, each to our own way, is a brokenness, is a corruption, is the evil within. And so instead of just killing all the bad guys, because by the way, if you kill all the bad guys, you kill all the bad, you kill all the guys. (laughs) Like if you kill all the bad people, you kill all the people, right? Because who among us can stand innocent before God? Amen. And so, yeah, see? So Jesus shows up on the scene and says, I'm the answer, but instead of killing all y'alls, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go, and I'm going to let you kill me. And in my death, I will pay the penalty for your rebellion against me, and I will make it so that you can have your broken, corrupt, rebellious heart taken out and a new heart put in. And so you are free then to choose to turn from that evil, turn from that brokenness, and turn to me. And this goes for everybody, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, Jesus did that for you. 
everyone has the opportunity to, to turn from going their own way, being the God of their own universe, and turn to Jesus. Jesus shows up in the scene and says, that's me. And then Jesus did, he did something crazy that I want to tell you about. Jesus said to his followers, another way that you'll see it in the Bible is disciples. Disciple is just a follower. Jesus says to his disciples or to his followers, at one point in time, they're walking to Jerusalem. He says, look, we're going to Jerusalem, and y'all are going to kill me. You're going to crucify me. I'll be betrayed, and then I'm going to die, and you're going to put me in a grave. But three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. He said it multiple times. Now, that sounds like a crazy person. Yeah, right? Sounds like a crazy person. But it's, and he, and it's, it's totally crazy. Every one of the followers of Jesus is like, <laughs> what? In fact, if you just look at the followers of Jesus' response to Jesus, they said, no, that you're high, right? <laughs> and then it happened. And on Good Friday, he was crucified at the hands of his own creation. You ever wonder why there's crosses on pretty much every church? Have you ever seen a cross at a church? You guys ever seen a cross in a church? Yep. So why do we do that? Because it is the symbol. It is such a powerful image of God's love for us because God took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, allowed his own creation to kill him, and then three days later he rose from the grave, conquering over evil and death, including the evil in our own hearts. And now he stands victorious over the grave, alive and well. And that same resurrection power lives through all who turn to him. This is the good news. By the way, if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we would not be gathered here today. Like a lot of people say, well, was it an actual physical resurrection? You know, yeah. Well, that's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> no one else has done it. That's why we sing to Jesus. Listen, here's the deal. Anyone who predicts their own death, burial, and resurrection and pulls it off, we're going to go with what they say. So if you can do it, let's have a conversation. But at this point in time in human history, Jesus is the one who did it. We're going to follow him. And then Jesus says to his followers, he gives to his followers a mission. Remember, we're asking the question, where is my mission rooted? This is what Jesus says. We'll put it up here on the screen. It's Matthew 28. When they saw him, so this is the disciples. When the, when the followers of Jesus saw him, they worshiped him, but some were of course they were. These aren't idiots. They know if you die, you stay what? Died. <laughs> and let me just press pause here for a second. There are many of us who heard everything I just said and are doing, some of you are followers of Jesus, others of you are like, oh, I'm not a Christian, I'm just here because I got dragged here. But you heard what I just said and you're doing this action, you're doing, I don't know. Yeah, I know how you feel. I feel that way half the time too. And you're in good company because those who even witnessed the resurrected Jesus in person are like, nah, I don't know. So you're in good company. Jesus is not angry at you for having questions. Some were doubtful. Jesus came up and spoke, ha, to them saying, now watch this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, this I used an old translation today in particular because I love this. And lo, or behold, I am with you always, even 
even to the end of the age. Where's your mission rooted? I want to convince you to root your mission in Jesus today. So a mission rooted in Jesus, a mission rooted in Jesus has divine power. I know that that kind of sounds weird and mystical to some of us. Yeah, we worship a dude who rose from the grave, so welcome to the, I mean, welcome to the show, right? Like a mission rooted in Jesus has divine power. Let me put it another way. He says, look at what he says. Take a look at the text. All authority. How much authority? All authority. It's been given to me in heaven and on earth. Because if you can predict your own death, burial, and resurrection and pull it off, we're going to go with what you say. He has authority. Now, there's something, and I just, I just want to fly by this real quick. Ah, Christians are weird in America. Oh, we're so weird. Um, some of you uh, are from outside of America. I'm so glad you're here today. You, you're, nodding, you don't, you're not nodding your head because you don't, I mean, I get it. Americans are weird. American Christians are weird. But one of the things that I hear a lot of American Christians saying is this. And it's, I, don't, I don't understand it. And I want to tease this out. Maybe some of you have said this, and I'm not trying to be mean, but, you know, here we go. I'll hear the question. Have you, so, uh, have you been saved? Sure. Have you, and then the follow-up question is, have you made Jesus Lord of your life? I, I hear that question sometimes. And I just want to push back on that. You can't make Jesus Lord of your life. He's the Lord of the cosmos. You can't make him anything. He is the Lord of your life. He's the Lord of all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He's the boss. It is in his hands that the whole cosmos holds together. The reason you don't wear a seatbelt to bed because you believe gravity is going to be working the same tomorrow as it does today is because Jesus holds it together by the word of his power. You don't make Jesus the Lord of anything. You just recognize his lordship or not. Like, he's the boss, man. Anyone who can predict their own death, burial, and resurrection and pull it off, we're going to go with what they say. He's obviously the boss. A mission rooted in Jesus has divine power. Root your mission in something powerful. Let's keep, let's keep going. A mission rooted in Jesus produces blessing. Okay, so we're, we're going to push into this just for a little bit. There's a few things that Jesus says I want to tease out a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit. So if you're visiting Desert Springs or, or you're still in the process of figuring out who Jesus is, not sure that you're, you're not sure, I just I want to give you this. This is what we're kind of all about as a church. You heard Don talk about next steps. Uh, I want to tether some of these things together. But I just want you to see the commands of Jesus. And then for those of you that follow Jesus, I want you to receive them as something like that someone who's in charge says to you, right? How much authority was given to Jesus? All of it. And if we follow him, then he's the boss, right? If he has authority, he's not just a self-help guru designed to help me make better, you know, nutritional decisions. He's the king and creator of the universe, so I'm going to have to go with what he says. These are the commands that he gives his disciples. Here we go. He says, make disciples... Okay, make disciples of, of where? All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. TV time out. How many of you guys have ever seen a baptism here at Desert Springs? Do it right over here. Great. I got baptized here. Baptized my two older kids here. It's awesome. One of the things that you're going to hear in every baptism, we will say, I now baptize, based on your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the, you're never going to guess what we say. <laughs> I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do we do that? Because Jesus told us to, simple as that. Let's keep going. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them, not just teaching them head knowledge, but watch this, teaching them to do what? Observe, or another way to put it, obey, or another way to put it, live in light of. Teaching them to observe, 
all that I've commanded you. Notice commands, not suggestions. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, so let's go through this. First of all, make disciples. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're following after Jesus, he says to every disciple of Jesus, go make more disciples. Now, if you're not already drafting emails to my account just yet, uh, because of the thing I did a minute ago, uh, get, get them ready. American Christians run the risk. Now, now I want, I'm going to try to thread the needle here, so I want you to... As individualistic consumers, we may have fallen into the temptation of making following Jesus a transactional relationship where I say a magic prayer and he gives me guaranteed heaven as opposed to a relationship with the king and creator of the universe. And here's... Push into this. I get frequently asked... Pastor Caleb, why don't we do altar calls at Desert Springs? And altar calls are fine. One of the reasons is Jesus doesn't do them. Just type it in the email. And two, discipleship is so messy and so the opposite of transactional. It is a mess. In fact, I would encourage you, if you're, if you're, you're, you're like, Pastor Caleb, I don't... Uh, I want to encourage you, go read through the Gospels and tell me at what point in time did any of the disciples convert? When, when did they convert? It's a mess. It's because it's a, you know this, don't you? Because it's a relationship. We are not called into a transaction between us and the king of the cosmos where we say a magic prayer and then he gives us heaven. We're called into a relationship with our creator. So when does the relationship start? When we turn to him. When we turn from our own way and we turn to him. When does the relationship start? Just then. Okay, the Bible calls that repentance. Now we ask the question, well, when are you saved? Huh? I don't know. Let me ask you this. Go read Jesus' words and ask him, Jesus, when do I get saved? You see, in America, we've made it a consu- we've, we've applied too much of our consumerism and said, if you say the prayer and you sign up for the newsletter, then you're saved. And we've made it about conversion or getting saved, or as Lane Staley from Alice in Chains, get born again. And we've completely lost in this culture, follow me. I don't know how many people I've met that say, I got saved on this date. And then there's no relationship with Jesus. It's just about getting into heaven when I die. By the way, if you read through the scriptures, you'll never find the words, go to heaven when you die. You know what you do find? Who you're with. Jesus says, you'll be with me. Because it's about a relationship. Now, I think it's okay to say conversion. I think it's okay to say salvation. I think it's okay to say believer. I, I get that. I just want you to see that the majority of the time, Jesus is calling us not, for a tran- not to a transaction, but to a relationship. When we talk about making disciples, what we're talking about is not getting people to sign on the line that is dotted. Do you want to convert today? Can I put you down for a yes? Can I put you down for a yes, Lord? That'll get you extra credit. (laughs) Making disciples is this. There's Jesus. I have a relationship with him. I want to introduce you. Can I introduce you to him? Let's follow him together. You're not here to follow me. You're not here to sign up for some sort of doctrine class. Let's follow Jesus. 
We are not studying the teachings of a dead philosophical guru. We are calling people into relationship with the living Savior. And so we don't want to say, do you want to convert? We want to say, there's Jesus. Let's go follow him. That's discipleship. Let's go follow Jesus together. So when you're thinking about God's mission for you, and you're hearing this call to go and make disciples, that's not go and do sermons. Amen. Amen. Some of us are like. It's not go and convince people of your doctrinal perspective. It's go and introduce people to Jesus. Here he is. Look at how beautiful he is. Let's follow him together. He loves you so much. There are those of us that have pumped the brakes with Jesus because we felt like we were being sold something. I want to say Jesus, we're not trying to sell you anything. We're trying to point you to Jesus and say, we have found so much joy and so much life in following Jesus. We want that for you too. Would you follow him? Just give, just give it over to him, man. Make disciples. Of whom? Just the people I like, of course, because I definitely don't want to talk to anyone that I hate. Right? Some of them, I mean, half of this church is full of people that I, no, I'm just, I can't. Not allowed to say that, retract that. Okay. (laughs) Who are we called to introduce to Jesus? All nations. Now imagine, Jesus is saying this to a group of people who are under an occupied force. Jesus, do you mean the people who are currently occupying our nation? Jesus, do you mean the people that assaulted? Do you mean the people that we're enemies of? Do you, do, Jesus, do you, do you mean the people who voted differently than I did? What do you think the answer is? Contrary to some of the media outlets, the answer is yes. Jesus is for all people. I know we see nations and we might think like um, the political use of the word, but there's much more nuance in what Jesus is saying. He's saying all people groups, all peoples, All people groups. Making disciples of whom? All people groups. Doing what? Baptizing them. Okay, so why do we baptize people? You're never going to guess. Because Jesus told us to. By the way, baptism is a public profession of faith. It's a testimony. It's also a drama. Because when we go under the water, we are connecting ourselves to Jesus going in the tomb. And we come, and by the way, we do bring people out of the water 100% of the time. When we come out of the water, we are connecting ourselves to Jesus coming out of the tomb. And the guarantee that though you and I will once again go into the grave, there will come a day where he will bring us out. Baptism is an acted out profession of faith, and it's an acting out of the whole story of the cosmos. God loves you so much that he took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, and he died at the hands of his own creation, and they put him in a tomb, and he came out again, and he stands victorious, and one day he will return to restore all that is broken. And when we're baptized, we're saying, you know what, I don't know all the answers, I don't think I ever will, but I'm all in with that. Friends, if you haven't been baptized, I wanna encourage you, we'll baptize you anytime. 
We do have a special baptism service on Easter, though. We're going to do baptisms on Easter Sunday. So if you want to get baptized, maybe Easter is a great opportunity for you. You know, last year we had, uh, how many um, baptisms did we have? 42. We had 42 baptisms last year. Here's the deal, though. Each one of those baptisms reflects a life transformed. Each one of those moments has a testimony behind it. Jesus has freed me from the shackles of brokenness. Jesus has redeemed me. Jesus has restored a relationship that I thought would never be restored. Jesus has filled the emptiness that I have been trying to fill for decades. Jesus has given me answers to who I am because my abuser was filling that slot before. And now in Jesus, I find freedom. Jesus is the one who has shown me my value and I no longer want to end my life. Jesus is the one who has satisfied my deepest longings. Jesus, the risen Lord, is everything. A mission rooted in Jesus not only has divine power, but a mission rooted in Jesus produces blessing. When we live on this mission, we are able to bless. Hmm? I hope you're encouraged even just in seeing those who have been baptized. Let's go back to the text. Jesus says baptizing them and then uh, teaching them to do what? Observe. Let me put this another way. It's not just head knowledge. It's life transformation. I like to think about this in terms of coaching because a coach doesn't just transfer information so that I can have it up here. A coach says, here's what you need to know in order to live. You got me? Jesus says, teaching them to pass all the theology exams. No, did I say this already? Satan can pass a theology exam? Yeah. But he can't love his neighbor as himself. Oh, uh, you might think, oh my goodness, look, I mean, all, observe all that I've commanded you. I mean, what? I, mean, <laughs> I thought following Jesus was freedom. All that he commanded? Well, what did he command? Well, if you were to maybe think about this one time where a person who was actually like super religious goes up to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, if you were to like summarize all the commands, how would you summarize them? He said two things. And actually, you know what? In the teachings of Jesus, he actually interweaves them to the point to where they're almost the same thing. Watch this. Jesus says, okay, here's, here's, here's like all of it wrapped up into one thing. Love your God and love your neighbor. And then, of course, the person was like, love my neighbor? Well, who's my neighbor? All the peoples, including the people I don't like, that one gets less amens. <laughs> How do I observe all that Jesus commanded me? I'm going to love my God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, and I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. And what's interesting is Jesus doesn't say those are two completely separate things. In fact, frequently Jesus says, if you want to know how someone loves God, look at how they love each other. Discipleship is simply showing people, hey, this is what I've learned from Jesus. What do you think? Let's learn from him. We want to learn what he taught. 
and we want to observe it. I want to focus in on the all nations or all peoples thing. I met someone last uh, October, and she was wrestling. She had just recently started following Jesus, and she was kind of relaying to some of us uh, what that was like. She said, you know, I grew up abused. I, I was kicked out of home, my home as a child. I ran away from my pimp when I was 12. And all I wanted in life was to be accepted and loved. And I had been abused, and as a woman of color, I found that life was difficult. And the last place I ever thought I would ever want to go to find acceptance and love was the church. And she said this. She said, y'all got your bees out of order. The bees? What are we talking about? She said, yeah. First, you have to behave right. Then you have to believe right. Then you can belong. And I didn't have my life together. I was a mess. And I certainly didn't know what I thought about God. I mean, how could God let me be abused like I was? So if I have to do those first two Bs before I get to belong, the last place I'm ever going to go is a church. She said this. Y'all have, speaking to some of us who are Christian leaders, she said, y'all have the most precious, profound, life-changing gift, and you make it so hard for people like me to receive it. She said, maybe flip your bees. Let me belong before I believe, and let me believe before I become. She said, this whole time, I, I discovered Jesus. I didn't really like the people who followed him, at least in my neighborhood, but I discovered it. And it was kind of like he's just, my whole life, he's just sitting in the side of my heart, in the living room of my heart, just reading the newspaper. And I didn't realize he was there until one day I turned, and there he was, reading the newspaper. And he puts the newspaper down, and he looks at me and says, all right, you ready to go? So I just said, Yes. But y'all make it so hard. She said this, I used to think that you people, Christians, didn't want me. But what I came to find out is even more painful. You didn't even see me. You didn't even know I was there. When we think about all the nations, here's my question for you. As you're living a mission rooted in Jesus, who are the people that he's calling you to see? And are your bees in order for relationship? I want to tell you, uh, 2020 is going to be a nightmare for us if we don't cling to Jesus. Did you know that in this particular uh, political climate, things are a little tense? I, I, can't, I can't stress this enough. We are a group of misfits bound together by nothing more than the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. There is no power force in the universe that could do what you see even in this room. And here's what that means, especially for this year. I want to make you 100% guarantee that you will find yourself, if you are actively living real life with your church family, 
I will guarantee that because we're a group of misfits leaning into unity in Jesus in the midst of radical diversity, I guarantee you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be angry, you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be sad, you're going to even feel betrayed because you just discovered that they think that way. I can't believe that they voted that way. They're wearing the t-shirt. How could any Jesus-loving person do that? Well, here's my answer. If you ever find yourself asking that question, just ask them. Like, just have relationship with people who are different than you and say, help me understand how you reconcile this with following Jesus. And it might be that that frustration, anger, disappointment, and sadness might be the very thing that Jesus uses to disciple you into a deeper relationship with him. Yeah, it's going to be a fun year, right? I've got a list of other churches you can check out if you'd like to, you know. Oh, man. Jesus loves you so much. Do you know that? He's given himself entirely for you. But not just for you and I alone. For our community, for our city, for our state, for our nation, for the world. All nations, all peoples. Third, a mission rooted in Jesus will not fail. How many of you have ever started a project or started an initiative and thought, have I bitten off more than I can chew? Is, like, I need God to come through because I can't do this on my own power. Y'all ever been there? A mission rooted in Jesus will not fail. Look at what Jesus says. Oh, this is so good. So roughly last October, I want to tell you just a few things. Last October, we had, oh, yeah, okay. So in 2018, we were 41 years old as a church, and we started this process of saying, hey, we don't think God's done with us yet. He's blessed us abundantly. We know he calls us to be a blessing to this city and to those around the world, but we don't quite know what God wants us to do. And so we sat around. We prayed for almost a year. So many of you were a part of that, and thank you so much for doing that. And through that, we heard back from over 200 of you. And there was three specific things that we felt like, okay, maybe God's calling us to invest our time, our energy, our talent, and our resources in growing these things. The first one was leaders, especially a focus on young and under-resourced leaders. And so we said, okay, that's good, good, good. Uh, the second is a more multi-purpose space on our campus. Our campus is not the right proportion. Um, we, we have this wonderful space in here to gather, but we do not have corollary space for things like classes. Uh, f- uh, we can host a funeral in here, but there's nowhere to gather after that. Same with weddings, uh, conferences, or student centers busting at, our student ministries busting at the seams. Um, our adventure kids, like we cap some of our major projects because we just don't have enough indoor multi-use space. And so we said, okay, Jesus, we think you want us to invest in multi-use space. And then we think that we want you to, you want us to invest in uh, building uh, or rebuilding 100 homes for underserved families in our neighborhood in partnership with Habitat for Humanity. So we set out to do that. We talked a ton about it last year. And I must say that in October, I was kind of doing this number. Have you guys ever seen this before? Okay. Um, cool, uh, how are we going to do that? Because if you add up, I mean, many of you are numbers people, and you, you ask me this super frustrating question, uh, like, how much is that going to cost, Campbell? And the number was like $2.3 million. It was the multi-purpose space, it was the Habitat project, it was leadership development, scholarships, and things like that, and it was an elevator for our two-story kids building so we could provide handicap accessibility for, uh, for anyone who comes onto our campus. And we committed to doing that. 
And I felt good the day we committed to do it. But in October, I didn't feel so great. And I was reminded of this. Jesus says, I am with you. Till when? Even to the end of the age. And I must say that I'm encouraged. And I, I'm going to ask Don to come up and she's going to share just some encouragement with us um, as we think about uh, how it is that God's been resourcing us. So uh, we're right in the middle of our fiscal year. Uh, our budget goes from July to June. Um, and so we're right in the middle. We want to kind of give you a mid-year update, but there's some pretty cool things uh, that God's been up to. We want to share those with you before we uh, conclude today. So Don, uh, there's three things you wanted to share with us. Yep. Yep, tell us about that. But I have to talk to you about my box. Oh, first. yes, what's in the box? So we're super, I mean, it's, our church family has been so generous. <laughs> like, okay. I'm so excited I can't even get the words out. So I brought this box up to help us celebrate. So That sounds um, amazing. We have some celebration tools. Oh. Ooh, there you go, that you need that. Look, and I got this. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Good so I, I use this to celebrate the things you're going to say. Yes. Great. Yes. So our first thing we want to celebrate mm-hmm. is uh, our Benevolence Fund. Okay. And our Benevolence Fund is a way for us as a church family to help out members in need or members in the community that have needs, life-giving needs, like um, housing and medicine and utilities and counseling, things like that. Okay. Um, and so our church family in just six months gave over $10,000 to that fund. Oh, that's awesome. Yay! That's super cool. Thank you guys. That's awesome. Right? So I know that that's like a special fund designated for life-sustaining needs uh, as we experience them in the community. Uh, But then there's like our general fund, which is where much of the funds go to. And that goes to support and drive the ongoing ministry here at Desert Springs. Exactly. So that's anything from fishy crackers to air conditioning to the parking lot, which we just re-striped, stripped? How do you say that? Okay. The parking lot. and added two more handicap spaces, so that's really exciting. That's the general fund. Our goal for this first six months was $650,000. $650,000. Now, we said, I think, if I remember right, we said that anything that comes in above and beyond that goal of $650,000 is going to be invested in the Build 100 projects. Is that Correct. right? Right. Cool. So how much came in? Well, wait. We need to get oh. ready because we got to celebrate. Oh, so, my so that's probably it takes a good. little bit more to celebrate, so I'm okay. going to give you these. Ah. There you go. Really get into the I have here. not yet begun to defile myself. <laughs> Looks great. Okay. All right, so. So 650 was the goal. Yes. How much came in in six months? You ready? Uh-huh. You got your cheering ready? Okay. $737,000. So, do you know what that means? I cannot do math. I think that's more right. than 650. Yes, it is. That means $87,000 goes towards the Build 100 campaign. Oh, wow. That's right? great. Yay! Thank you guys so much for that. Uh, Now, I know some people felt compelled to give directly to the Build 100 vision. Um, So they had a heart for either the elevator or uh, the the multi-purpose building or habitat or uh, leadership development. I see you're putting on a hat, so the number is probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, do I get a hat? You get a hat. (laughs) Right? Oh, well, no, I mean, yeah, you got to get it. There you go. Oh, yeah. I feel pretty. (laughs) That's perfect. Okay, you ready? Oh, wait, I forgot <laughs> my cheering. get this over. <laughs> Don, how much came in uh, given directly to the Build 100 vision? How long would you guys like me to drag this out? <laughs> so, directly to the Build 100 vision, $284,000. That's awesome. Yes, yes. So that's a little over, over all the funds, over a million dollars in six months. Oh, that's amazing. Incredible, right? That's awesome. Oh, you don't want to keep those? No, you can take them. Okay. 
Thank you, Don. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I know it's been an encouragement to me. I hope that's encouraging to you, but I've got to tell you a story, and then uh, I want to drive this home for us. So in October, there's a lot going on in October as I tell this story. So I'm in that kind of like, I don't know, God, I mean, are you going to provide? Are we on the right track? I mean, are we even following? I mean, did we hear it right? Is this right? I mean, 200 grand for this elevator. And, and by the way, we do have enough to build the elevator, so we're going to do that as soon as possible. But listen, here's, oh, don't, don't clap yet. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I promise it's going to be good. So I'm kicking around the office. I was in a meeting. I get a phone call. And of course, I don't answer it because I'm like you. Let it go to voicemail. Right? I mean, who could, I mean, what, what, they might say something crazy. So I listen to the voicemail, and this is the voicemail. Oh, I got to tell you the backstory. In 2007, our church family was part of something that, personally, I hadn't seen before that. We knew as a church family that in 1977, God abundantly blessed us through Bethany Bible Church. And we wanted to continue to have a heart of blessing, not just the congregation that calls Desert Springs their church home, but blessing other churches and blessing this community. And so we got this phone call in 2007 from a church called Christ Church of the Valley. They had been growing in their Peoria campus, and they were kind of praying through, Lord, do you want us to start another campus so that we can accommodate for the amazing things that you're doing and the growth? So they were calling around to campuses in North Phoenix, kind of looking in this area, and for one reason or the other, they just weren't able to find one. There were different churches that weren't able to accomplish that, and they called us. And we thought, man, we have been so blessed We've got this property. We want to use it to bless the city. They wanted to start a Monday night service, so we moved stuff around, and we, uh, you know, we, we were like, man, well, we put the welcome mat out. Of course you can use the campus, right? This is not for us. This is for Jesus in this community. And so they launched their first campus off of our campus, which unfortunately, I mean, the, the, the tides are turning, but unfortunately just doesn't happen a lot. Fast forward to uh, the mid-2010s, isn't that weird to say? I reconnected with some of the team at CCV, and I was stepping into a leadership position that I was way in over my head. And so I called, the, uh, at the time, the executive pastor named Ashley. And I said, hey, Ashley, man, I, um, you know, I need some help. And he was super gracious, and we developed a relationship. He's just, they've just been so generous. And over the years, CCV has been so generous to us. So anyways, I get this voicemail. And again, I'm thinking, God, how are we going to do this? Are we even following you in the right direction? I get this voicemail, and it's Ashley who's now the lead pastor at CCV. In fact, we both transitioned into the lead pastoral role within a matter of months. And he said, hey man, it's Ash. Um, hey, we're gonna do this thing at Christmas time. We're gonna take a Christmas Eve offering. And uh, we just feel like God's leading us to give those funds to churches that are following Jesus and doing awesome work in the community who maybe have a specific need that would really like accelerate uh, their effectiveness in the valley. We just want to, you know, God's been so good to us. We want to do that for a variety of churches. Um, and so they ended up, I think, picking somewhere around 10 different churches. And uh, so this is how the voicemail goes. And, and literally, he and I have never talked about Build 100 stuff. He says these words. Hey, man, um, I don't know. Like, I'm just spitballing here. I don't know if there's something that you've got going on, like maybe in your kid's building that you could use, like, tens of thousands of dollars for. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> but, man, we would just love to bless you, and so we're going to take this offering, and you, let's give me a call, and let's have a conversation. Even when my pregnant wife called me, I never have returned a call faster <laughs> than when I got that voicemail. 
So I called back, and we're still in the process of figuring out, but they raised uh, $3.5 million on Christmas Eve for their offering through their different churches. And so I'm asking for all of it. I hope that they give it all to us here. Um, Got to go big, right, maybe? When we follow the mission that Jesus has called us to, we remember that there's divine power in a mission rooted in Jesus. And we know that a mission rooted in Jesus blesses others. But it can be wearisome sometimes. And so it does my heart good to be reminded that a mission rooted in Jesus will never fail. And so I want to leave you with this question. Where is your mission rooted? Let today be the day that you commit to live a mission rooted in Jesus. I'm going to ask everybody to do this. Uh, Our next steps, you see them all over the place. These are not our next steps. This is just our best way to show graphically the things that Jesus calls us to. I'm going to ask that everyone would please take out a next steps card, if you would, please. You'll see it in the seat back in front of you. Even if you're going to wad it up and throw it away, totally fine. Just I don't want anyone singled out. Please take that next steps card. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As you look at those things up there, right, I'm going to ask that you would ask Jesus, Jesus, because he's alive, by the way. At some point in time today, maybe even right now, Jesus, what's my next step? As a church family, we want to help encourage and equip you to do that. And so whether it's joining up with Build 100, maybe it's baptism. If you want to get baptized, we'll baptize you anytime. Also on Easter Sunday, we've got a baptism service. For some of you, it's maybe learning more about who Jesus is in a real way, and we'd love to connect you with either a coach or maybe one of the rooted groups. For some, it's building relationships with other people who are trying to follow Jesus too. Again, I would encourage you to join us for the rooted study. It's going to be so foundational for us. For others, maybe it's saying, you know, I want to serve or I want to give financially to the things that, you're, that we're talking about that God's called us to with Build 100. Uh, one of the next things that we're going to be talking a bunch about now that we've got the elevator locked down is Habitat for Humanity. Um, Actually, if you're interested in a Habitat project, there's a project coming up in Central Phoenix in February, and they've got some spots for us. So if you'd like to participate in the Habitat build like next month, uh, please, on that Next Steps card, write Habitat, or I'm interested in the Habitat build. We'll get you connected there. Um, and you, if, you, if we have your email, you're going to be getting information uh, from us on how you can take advantage of the Arizona tax credit by donating to the Habitat project that will be happening here in North Phoenix in the coming months. For some of us, maybe it's finding healing and recovery through Celebrate Recovery or Mending the Soul. I don't know what your next step is, but Jesus does. And we are committed to helping to equip you and encourage you in that step. And so whatever it is, we would love to help you. If you'd like us to engage in that level of dialogue with you, just write it down on that Next Steps card. Put it in the metal boxes on your way out. Uh, You can grab one of us anytime uh, today if you want to have a conversation. We want to help you take your next step because in it you'll find freedom, joy, and love. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We give you thanks for the many ways you provide for us and bless us. We know, Lord, that you love us, and you call us to be a blessing to everyone we come into contact with. You desire that we would introduce people to you, that we would engage in discipleship, not just for the people around us, but for all the nations. We want to be obedient to that because we know in it we'll find flourishing delight, and ultimately you will receive glory. Jesus, we ask these things knowing that you love us and you're powerful to bring them about and so we entrust ourselves to you today. It's in your name we pray, amen.